Welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast, a platform for women in agriculture, ranching, homesteading, and more to share their stories. I'm your host, Caitlin Dubin. This week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast is brought to you by our newest patrons, Annalise S., Sheila T., and Chelsea L. Join these lovely ladies and the rest of the patron gang in supporting the stories of women in agriculture to be shared through the Rural Woman Podcast on Patreon. With your financial support of the Rural Woman Podcast, you ensure that the stories that have either inspired you, motivated you to try something new on your farm, ranch, or homestead, or heck, even just made you a little misty, continue to be shared through your earbuds each and every week. Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com and learn more about how you can become a patron through Patreon. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. This week, you'll meet Kyle Brezidine. Kyle began farming at the age of five, where she bought her first sheep with the money that she saved. The next year, she showed her first registered U against the adults in the open class because she was too young for 4-H. Fast forward a few years where she attended university in England, where she received her Bachelor of Science in Agriculture with an emphasis on livestock, followed by a Master's of Agriculture in Integrated Resource Management from Colorado State University. Kyle now manages Willow Farm LLC, which is a regenerative grass farm in southern lower Michigan, where she sells grass-fed beef and lamb along with wool in her on-farm shop. I am very excited for you guys to get to hear Kyle's story. We chatted all the way back in April, so it's been a while since I've chatted with Kyle, but I know she's doing well, and I'm excited for you guys to hear her story. And again, I want to apologize before Kyle's episode. This is one of the batches of recordings that my microphone was not turned on. So you'll hear a few of those in the upcoming episodes, but I hope you stick with me. Kyle's story is a great one. So I'm excited for you guys to hear it. Okay, guys, this will be my last podcast published in my 20s. So I hope that means the episodes will be more sophisticated, like fine wine or something. (laughs) But actually, what I mean to say is that this will be my last Patreon birthday wish update that you're going to get from me. So with Annalise, Sheila, and Chelsea, we will bring the total up to 28 patrons, which I am so incredibly grateful for. So the date that this episode is dropping is July 3rd. So that means we are three days away from the big 3-0. So I'm hoping to wake up on Monday the 6th and see the same big 3-0 on Patreon. Regardless, I want to say a big thank you to each and every patron who has been supporting the Rural Woman podcast. It's been a while since I've mentioned everyone's name, so I'm going to go ahead and do that right here, right now, if that's okay with you all. So I want to say thank you to Amanda E., Amanda G., Annabelle, Ashley, Bevan Sam from the Drink and Farm podcast, Bill, Haley, Jamie, Jason from the Egg State of Mind podcast, Kelsey, Carrie, Kim, Kylie, Leyland, Leah, Marina, Melanie, Malia, Molly, Rachel, Shannon, Sherry, Shyla, and Tiffany, as well as Annalise, Sheila, and Chelsea, the newest members, as well as a big special thank you to my official Patreon sponsor, Sarah R. from Happiness by the Acre. Thank you, thank you, thank you to each and every single one of you. I recently celebrated my one-year 
Patreon anniversary earlier this week, and I cannot tell you the true blessing it has been for the financial support of my listeners. I'm going to be honest, I really, really hate asking for help, especially the financial kind. And it took me a long time to value my work and call myself a creator, but I am in a place now where I know the value of what I'm creating and I appreciate the support of others who value it as well. So if you would like to join the patron gang in supporting the Roll Woman podcast, you can head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more. And guys, do me a favor on Monday, would you check on me please and make sure that I made it to 30 okay? <laughs> I'm getting a little bit nervous. I don't know if it's if I'll turn into a pumpkin at midnight or whatnot. <laughs> oh, friends, without further ado, let's get to Kyle's episode. Hello, Kyle. How are you? Hi, Caitlin. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing so good. Thank you so much for joining me on the Rural Woman podcast today. I am so excited to get to talk to you. And I'm excited to be on. Yes. So for my listeners who are unfamiliar with you, Kyle, give us a little bit more information about who you are and where you're from. Well, I'm Kyle Brisendine, and I run Willow Farm LLC, which is a small farm in southwest Michigan. We're at, at 92 acres right now. And we practice regenerative agriculture. We raise cows, sheep, pigs, poultry, and we're working on getting a beehive started. And we sell everything we grow through our on-farm shop. That is very cool. It's like a little bit of everything that you have there. It is. It's nice. So how did you get your start in agriculture? I grew up on a farm. When my parents first got married, they kind of started with a little of this. My mom had a horse, and then they're like, oh, let's raise some steers for beef, and oh, then let's have some cows and pigs and chickens, and it was actually my idea to get sheep. When I was four, I started asking for sheep. My mother thought she was brilliant. She's like, if you can raise enough money to buy two sheep, because I need a friend, then we can get sheep. By age five, I had raised enough for sheep. <laughs> um, and then the next year, I actually bought a registered ewe so I could show at the county fair in the breed classes. And I actually had to show in the adult division because I was too young for 4-H and youth at the time. So I have grown up farming, and it's not something I really strayed from. That's funny. What was it about sheep that you think that you liked so much when you were at the ripe old age of four? I don't know. There's a place around the corner from us that had sheep that we were always driving by. And you just wanted to take some home with you. Exactly. <laughs> so was there ever any doubt in your mind that you wanted to grow up and be a part of agriculture? Or was there something else that maybe you dreamed of doing instead? Not really. It was pretty much always farming. That's great. So Willow Farm, is this the same farm that your parents had, or are your parents still on their own farm? Um, I still farm alongside with my parents. They changed their farm name a few times, but we finally landed on Willow Farm, and we're sticking with this name now. So okay. they do a lot of the day-to-day -day things, and I help out a lot where I can. I have an off-farm job right now, which kind of complicates things. Yes, being off of the farm while being a farmer typically complicates things for a lot of people. <laughs> 
And I moved off farm when I got married, so I further, further complicated it. Yes, for sure. Did your husband grow up in farming or have an agriculture background? A little bit. His was more of a hobby farm. They have a few sheep, and they'll raise some deacons for beef, and that's about it. So you actually have quite an interesting story about your post-secondary education. So you actually hopped the pond and went to England for university. So tell us what made you decide to head over there and study agriculture in university in England. It was kind of a split-second decision. At the time in high school, I was riding horses, and I wanted to be able to ride horses in college. So I had gotten a book from the library that kind of explained different colleges and programs where you could ride. And I'm flipping through it, and my mom got a hold of it, and she's kind of looking at the international ones being funny. And one of them's like, horse logging in France. And the other one was the Royal Agricultural University in Sirencester, England. And I looked it up, and I kind of looked at the page for 30 seconds and went, that's where I'm going to college. That is so cool. That is, such, like you said, a second decision and a big decision to go all the way over there for learning. So that's very cool. Yep, and that was the only college I applied to, too. That's great. That's so cool. So from your experience over there, were there a lot of differences that you noticed between agriculture in England versus the agriculture that you were used to here in the U.S.? Uh, Yeah, there was a fair number of differences. For one is the type of crops that they grow. Where I'm at, we mainly do corn and soybeans, a little bit of wheat, but it is really heavy corn and soy. In England, they're more into rotations. They have something that's called rape. Um, Canadians would probably know it as canola. And so they have some different crops that they do. And they're less intense on GMOs and that sort of thing. At the time I was there, GMOs were not allowed in the country, and a professor would say, okay, show of hands, who thinks GMOs should be allowed, nay or yay? And it was kind of 50-50, depending on the day and the class. The program I was in focused on all areas of agriculture. So I did crops, livestock, soil, forestry, marketing, rural small business sort of thing, diversification. And we covered all areas, which made it a nice, all-encompassing thing compared to most of the programs I was looking at in the U.S. were either animal science or agribusiness, and there wasn't much in between. I think that's very cool, and I think it's so useful to have kind of a bit of information from all sectors, whether it's agribusiness, animal, or crop, because most of the time, lots of farmers are dabbling in a few different areas. So to have all of that information in your degree really sets you up to be on a good road, I think, for for your life in agriculture after school. Yes. And doing even like crops I wasn't terribly interested in because we mostly do livestock. Just having a crop background helps me with my off-farm job. You know, I can kind of even though crops isn't my specialty, I can still offer input and a few suggestions because I have a solid background in all areas. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. So what types of skills and methods then did you take from your time in England and bring to your current operation? Converting to metric was a big one. Um, (laughs) I think I spent all day every day converting everything. A lot of it was just diversity and 
I kind of went down a path of livestock, but also I picked classes. So in England, your first two years, it's a three-year program. Your first two years are set. These are the classes you take. Everyone on your course takes that. Third year, you have a few set classes, and then depending on how you want to branch out, like livestock, crops, soil, whatever, you pick a few electives, so to speak. So I picked my electives for livestock and kind of small business and marketing. So I picked up a lot of marketing, and a lot of the marketing was just tell your story. And so I got back here, and I'm like, okay, I tell my story. And then there'd be this huge blank of, oh, I told my story, but what do I do? But that did give me a nice jumping off point of I need to be marketing. So I learned marketing and just kind of look at things differently. Being in England, I was kind of such the outsider that I had different perspectives from what the Brits had. And the Brits had different perspectives than what I had. For sure. And I think it's a good thing to have those outside perspectives and see from different points of view because I think when you're marketing your product, that will help you because then you're going to know what the outsiders want versus people who already know what's going on in agriculture, what they already know and what they might want too, right? So that's very cool. Hey, all we'll get right back to our episode after a word from our sponsor. Nestled in the tree-filled mountains by Kootenay Lake in Nelson, British Columbia, KL Skin Naturals was founded in 2013 by owner Leah. KL Skin Naturals is known for their award-winning natural deodorant that I have personally been using since early 2017, and I can tell you from personal experience, it passes the farming test. You know what I'm talking about. I feel good knowing that the deodorant that I'm using is free from harsh chemicals and scents. All of their products are produced by hand from the very first measure to the very last label. Each recipe was worked, researched, perfected, and tested on family and friends who all agree that there's something unique to be offered in the effective products that Leah is making. Listeners of the Rural Woman podcast can save 10% off their order with promo code WILDROSE10. So head on over to klskindeodorant.com to choose from their wide selection of clean scented natural deodorants, plus other natural skincare products such as fresh aloe skin cream, foot butters, and more. And now back to our episode. So you mentioned before what you were currently raising on, on your operation, but what are the breeds that you're raising for your sheep and your cattle? And what are you producing and selling in your farm store? Well, for the cows, my parents started with Herefords 34 years ago, and we've kept on with the Herefords, but now we're starting to do some Devon. So right now we have a Devon bull, we have a lot of Hereford cows, and we have a lot of half crosses. We're kind of moving towards a Devon cross, and both of those are British breeds. All of our breeds we have are actually British, which was something we had before I went to England, which was kind of funny. And then for sheep, I have a flock of Romneys. And then my mom has a flock of blue-faced lesters. That's very cool. I have heard that blue-faced lesters are very beautiful, and they have kind of a different wool than the Romney too. Is that correct? Yep. So the Romney fleece is really dense and thick, and it all kind of blends into one. And the blue faces, for one, they don't really have wool on their heads or necks or legs or bellies. And then the lock structure is kind of like a person with really curly hair. Like each strand is separated, so you can kind of see it. And hand spinners really like that. 
That's very cool. And you mentioned that you're starting your own bees. So tell us more about that and why you decided you wanted to start with farming some bees. The bees are my dad's project. We got him a beehive for Christmas. And we just kind of wanted to have pollinators on the farm and just add more diversity, more things, raise our own honey. That's very cool. So on your farm, have you always practiced regenerative agriculture or is this something relatively new? We've always been grass-fed. When my parents started, grain and crop farming wasn't in the budget or the options. So they started grass-fed beef. I kind of joke that they were doing grass-fed beef before it was cool because this was the 80s that they started doing this. And we've always been grass-fed. When we got sheep, they were grass-fed. And then the research started coming out that grass-fed is better. So, okay, we're going to keep going on this line. We like how it goes. And then sustainable agriculture was kind of the buzzword. And I liked sustainable because, you know, we're making things better. But it always bothered me that I couldn't define what sustainable was. And then the terminology finally came up to speed, so to speak, of regenerative agriculture. You're not continuing going. You're making it better and continuous. So we kind of were regenerative. We just didn't have the terms for it at the time. Right. And now regenerative agriculture, I would say, is as big as a, of a buzzword as sustainable agriculture and all of the other great things that are happening in egg. And people now, like you said, people now have a name for these things that lots of people have been doing for a long time, but now it's kind of more of a, a collective gathering of knowledge that is easier to find for people who are more interested in regenerative and sustainable agriculture. Yes, yes. So what are some of the techniques that you're using on your operation that are considered regenerative. One of the big things is keeping the ground covered. When we bought the farm, we moved here in 2011. So we've been here nine years. And it was a crop farm that was fairly abused. And one of our first things in doing is keep the ground covered. We've been building organic matter up. They actually did soil testing. And the one field, the levels were so low, we actually thought they measured the driveway by mistake. So we've been getting grass cover. One of the things we practice is we move the livestock as often as we can. In the summer, we want to try and move everyone every single day versus every few days because that's better to trample in plant matter and build your organic matter and feed those microbes and bugs. We also try to limit our use of commercial pharmaceuticals. So we only give antibiotics if someone is sick and needs it. We are not certified organic, so we haven't boxed ourselves that in, in that way, so, so to speak. So we do use antibiotics when the case calls for it. We do use anthelmintics when needed. We are trying to move away from those, but as for right now, we are still using them. Those are all great techniques to be using and definitely regenerative. So what do you think some of the biggest benefits that you have seen since 2011 using these practices for your land and animals has been? One of the things is we now have lush grass. We moved here in the fall of 2011, and then the next year was the horrible, awful drought of 2012. 
unfortunately, at that point, nothing was wanting to grow. It was still so poisoned with chemicals that nothing wanted to grow. We were actually grazing the lawn at one point because that was where we were at. So over time, we've seen our soil build up better. Our grasses are a lot more lush and nutrient dense. Our ponds are looking a bit better. They're holding water more. We're able to control that a bit better. And as for the animals, what do you think has been some of the biggest benefits you've seen for them? They're kind of holding the same, but they are doing better. We are moving away from anthelmintics. We are moving them more every day. And the more we learn, the better we can do. Yeah, absolutely. If you've been listening to the Real Woman podcast, then you've heard me talk all about my favorite natural deodorant from KL Skin Naturals. But did you know that they're more than just a deodorant company? My friend Leah has amazing foot butters, yummy lip balms, dreamy skin creams, and has recently introduced brand new handmade soaps into the mix. Clean and simple, these handmade bars of soap lather richly and leave skin feeling super soft. Pure kaolin clay and activated charcoal gently cleanse away toxins. And the rustic hand-cut bars are long-lasting and smell amazing. So head on over to klskindeodorant.com and use promo code WILDROSE10 to save 10% off your next order. So for your sheet then, are you using their wool? Like are you making products from it or selling it in your store? Most of our wool we sell as a whole fleece to hand spinners, but we do take some and we'll turn it into yarn or bedding, like wool pillows or duvets or mattress pads. But the majority of it is whole fleeces. That's very cool. And so in your store then, are you selling the majority of it is meat? Yes, that's our only way we sell our meat. And we sell it directly to the consumer. We use a local USDA inspected processor, so we can sell direct to the consumer. And we've actually started a lot of places, if you buy direct from the farm, your beef is like quarter, half a whole. Most people don't have the budget or the freezer space for half a cow. I know my freezer at home isn't that big. So we actually started selling ours by the eighth. That's very good. And also so very little, affordable, right? Yes. Yes. It's a lot more budget friendly. That's very cool. Did your parents always have the store on the farm when you guys moved there? Or was this something that been more of a recent endeavor? This was my project when I got back from university. I came back from college and I had all these ideas. And a lot of what we did third year for classes was we went and visited places. We'd go to farms in the area and we'd see what they were doing and we'd speak to the farmers. And I kind of want an on-farm shop. That's very cool. And is there a lot of on-farm shops in your area or was this kind of something new? This is kind of new. We're not in an area where a lot of people would think that's kind of the norm, like maybe a bit more suburban area. We're fairly rural. So what has the response been from the more urban area for your farm store? Response is good. We're still at the point of getting the word out and attracting our perfect customer. We are in a more rural area and a lower socioeconomic area, which does mean we have to travel a little farther afield to find our perfect customer. Well, and I like how you're describing it as your perfect customer because 
we all know that it's so hard to market and it's so hard to find people and more or less to get our word out there that we're here and we're producing food and we want you to come buy it. So you're looking for the perfect customer, not just absolutely anybody that will come to your store. <laughs> yes. So I will what, gladly take anyone who comes, but yes, finding that perfect customer is definitely a challenge. Yes, absolutely. So what are the future plans then for Willow Farms? Well, in the future, I would like it to be my only job. As much as I enjoy my off-farm job, and it is an ag, I would really like to be at the farm full-time. I'm actually, right now, because of COVID-19, I am kind of on leave from my off-farm job. So I've been at the farm every day for the past two, three weeks, and I'm really discovering how much I've missed it. So I would like it to be my only job, I'd like to expand the shop, to have a bigger store, someplace where we can have classes, cooking classes, animal care classes, and reach more people and teach more people about the importance of where their food comes from and why it's important, how it was raised. Absolutely. And as unfortunate as it is that you're on leave because of what's going on in the world around us, now you have some time to focus on the farm and do these things. So I guess it's kind of a blessing for you to be at the farm. Yes, I am willing to take it, and I have a massive to-do list I am trying to crank through before I have to go back to work. Isn't it funny? Like, I just feel like my to-do list is always long, but now that you have more time and you can't really go anywhere, it just gets longer and longer to get all of these great ideas of things that you want to do. And it's just like, when am I going to find the time? I only have 24 hours today and I sleep at some point. <laughs> yes. And then this week we had a big storm blow through. So all of my plans have been turned into cut up trees and put the fences back up. Oh, so bad. <laughs> it's like I just wish spring would come and it would stay. It is so nice here today, but tomorrow it is supposed to snow. So really it's... <laughs> I don't think it's real spring quite yet here anyway. It was 70 here yesterday, and it's snowing today. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Well, Kyle, it has been so great chatting with you, and I am so happy that you have been on here sharing your story. My final question for you is, what is the most rewarding part of you about being a farmer? Growing good food that nourishes you and your family and healing the earth. Those are perfect. Those are both wonderful things about being a farmer. That's so good. So for my listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? They can find us pretty much everywhere, Willow Farm LLC. Our website is willowfarmllc.com, Instagram at willowfarmllc or Facebook, Willow Farm, LLC. Perfect. And I will put all of those in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you. Excellent. Thank you so much, Kyle, for joining me on the Rural Woman Podcast today. Thank you for having me on. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. For show notes, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com. You can stay connected with me on Instagram at Wild Rose Farmer. If you love the show, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Plus, share it with a friend. We'll see you next time.